0: There to all you Brooklyn folk and beyond, this is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford & Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And as we do uh, from time to time, we head all the way up to Upper Manhattan, figuratively, uh, to talk a little New York Giants, and uh, there's no better person to do that with than Gary Mintz of the New York Giants Preservation Society. Gary, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Happy New
1: Year. Sam, Happy New Year, and uh, I don't know about that introduction, but it's much appreciated.
0: (laughs) Well, you do so much great work keeping the memory of the New York Giants alive, and and as we've talked about, the the Brooklyn Dodgers get so much love uh, when it comes to the nostalgia factor that that you want to remind people uh, that there was a lot of love and appreciation of the New York Giants as well. Uh, but before we go all the way back, since you've been doing so much, so many uh, different things during this uh, troubling and trying times uh, with the Zoom meetings, uh, I, I wanted to continue the conversation that we started yesterday on the Dodgers side uh, uh, of Tommy Lasorda. But considering that you yourself uh, out in Long Island grew up a San Francisco Giants fan, um, I, I was wondering uh, your memories uh, to start with uh, of Tommy Lasorda.
1: Uh you know being a giant fan you're supposed to uh not like the Dodgers that being said Tommy Lasorda was a wonderful ambassador to baseball I mean no question about it um I know he had the proverbial cup of coffee with the Dodgers I mean I think he pitched in like uh, eight games in his career that being said, I, I think the mention of the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers, despite all of their wonderful players, you know, Campanella and Erskine and Duke Snyder and, you know, Pee Wee Reese, Gil Hodges, the list goes on. I think that two people who really didn't play with them uh, are the most associated with the team, being Tommy Lesorder and Vince Scully. Um, when I think of the Dodgers, those are the two guys I think of right off of the bat. And I don't think you could say that for, uh, you know, you talk about the Giants, the first guy you think about is Willie Mays. Um, that's just my perspective and in my opinion. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, you know, was the Dodgers. They said he bled blue. Uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that. And it, really a great ambassador to the game. I know he. He loved the microphone and, and uh, you know being interviewed and, and talking Dodger stuff and but he, he I feel was a was a great ambassador to the game and a wonderful person to represent uh, the Dodger franchise.
0: Absolutely, and I'm curious if you have any any specific memories of, of the uh, the rivalry as it pertains. To those 70s 80s and even the 90s of course he he went from 1976 to 1996 is there anything that jumps off uh of the top of your head regarding uh, uh the memory well the
1: one have, memory have that i
2: have
1: the, the one memory i have and i'm sure you've seen it countless times is uh the dodgers were going to win the western division and uh the Giants had a chance to knock them out, and Terry Foster gave up a home run to Joe Morgan. And uh, the Giants won that game, and I could still see from the TV and from the many videos of Tommy Lasorda just lifting up his cap a little, rubbing his forehead basically, condemned to the fact that uh, wait till next year, this was not going to be the year the, Dodge, the Los Angeles Dodgers would be you know, winning the pennant. So that Joe Morgan uh, moment, I, I feel, um, best sums up my recollections as a San Francisco Giant fan, and it's really a shame because when that moment I'm just talking about, you realize that both of those guys, you know, re- just passed so close together. The last few months, terrible. Eight eight Hall of you Famers know, did, have uh, left. Yeah,
0: them, I was about to say left us. It, it, it's you know and i, I don't believe I, I forget whether or not any of them uh it was related to covid um but but it was you know just like like the worst uh uh addition to all of this uh, uh terrible year
1: um horrible you know they some actually, of
0: us, I, like we i
1: mm-hmm. i i actually think that the cause of death for Tom Seaver, that was what they put down, that it was COVID-related. But, you know, he'd been ill anyway, so I, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, I can't be sure, but I think that that's what they said he passed from.
0: Oh, see, I didn't even know that until now, um, and that's thats the, you know, thats that's one of the things that, you know, it's the immunocompromised. It's, you're you're not necessarily dying of the disease that you you have uh, that you're you're currently uh, situated with. You, you
1: right.
0: it, it's this COVID that just makes it similar uh, to AIDS in that it's an immune issue. It's immune deficiency, and if you're already uh, trouble, you know, if, with with AIDS, obviously you get AIDS first, and then uh you pneumonia or something else uh, because of the immune system uh compromise um but that that is just you know why we have to keep continue to stay safe, continue to stay smart and and just go about our business as as healthy as we can thinking of others right now
1: right right, absolutely it, and it, I it, wanted to just,
0: get to you know yeah go ahead, Gary.
1: The the only other thing I remember, well, I think I remember, um, you know, Walter Alston, um, when he managed the Dodgers both in Brooklyn and Los Angeles, every year was a one-year contract. And I think Lasorda started out that way also until he finally got, you know, a multi-year deal. I, I, I can't confirm that off the top of my head. But that's what I always remembered growing up is that, there was no doubt Walter Alston was always going to come back, but it was always, you know, today these guys are getting five-year deals and multi-million, but Walter Alston would always be rehired for one year, and I believe Tommy Lasorda started out that way as well, but I think eventually it did become a multi-year pack.
0: And that's something we talked about yesterday on the program with Rob Barnes, super do- uh, super fan of the Dodgers. Um, we. It, it, it's a very unique situation to basically go 42 years with only two managers.
1: Unbelievable. I think the only thing close to that in modern day is, I think the Steelers have had in football have had you know two or three coaches and and since this you know Chuck Knoll and and uh, Mike Tomlin, I, I think there was somebody in between, but that's it. I mean they've had maybe even not anybody between they've had that that's stability and that's that's what you want from your yeah. franchise not not changing uh managers, you know, er, every few years. I, I don't think that solves anything.
0: Well, you know, as a Mets fan uh and and for you as somebody who's just at least
1: uh you know, you're
0: you're around the area, uh you know that it's literally within like 3 days uh, uh both the fan base as well as the back pages will talking about whether uh, you know Louis Rojas is the right man for the job, or Mickey exactly or any of, uh, any of these folks.
1: Exactly right. I mean, when and when, uh, when Steve Cohn bought the team, you know there was the doubts again. Is is this the guy we want? You you know usually in baseball and football, for that matter, new GM comes in, manager goes. It doesn't matter how long they've been uh, associated with the uh, the bench.
0: And you know, speaking of uh, uh, the New York Giants, of course, and managers, um, John McGraw basically solidified the foundation of the New York Giants and their success, and was around for about 30 years.
1: That's talk about stability. I mean, uh, you know, you had Connie Mack and football. You had you know George Hallis. I mean, uh, those th- those things are never going to happen again.
0: Exactly.
1: How long was Leo around for, Leo DeRocher? He was not on the, the, you know, they bought him from the Dodgers, and then by the time they moved, he was gone already. Um, I think that was like from 48 to maybe 55 Mm -hmm. or 56, and Bill Rigney took over, I believe. And then Bill Rigney, I know, if he didn't take over right after DeRocher when Rigney took over, uh, he accompanied the team to San Francisco and uh, was their first manager out there.
0: So how long was Felipe Alou around?
1: Felipe Alou, I, you know, my dad passed away in 2003. I think he started about that that time. He was, you know, in his 70s already. I think he he was the manager for, you know, I think about three years or so. Um, don't quote okay, me on that, okay, but, yeah. uh, he, Alou no, no, was, no, you great. know, uh, associated with the Giants, you know, that was his first franchise, you know, he made his mark managing, of course, with the, with Montreal, um, mm-hmm. and then came back to the Giants and he still actually works with the Giants now in their front office, you know, probably uh, Latino scouting or, or whatever name they give to the players who, uh, were worshipped by the fans and are given jobs, you know what I mean? Right, yes. And, and the Giants and so are very good he, with, with he, their famous players and, on, uh, you know, giving them front office positions to this day. I mean, what's so in it? Must have been really... Joey Amalfitano was a bonus baby of the Giants in the 50s. He just retired. He's 87 years old. and. Huh. He's been, you know, working in the giant front office, and he finally retired uh, this past weekend. And he, of course, oh, wow. is a well, coach for the Dodgers as well. Oh, see, I did in, not know in, that in either. Los there, there is yeah, in Los Angeles.
0: There is certainly something uh, to be said for a lot of people uh, that they they they're, they can't even fathom whatever retirement may be for them, you know? I mean, and and I forget whether we've uh, spoken on air since, but uh, congratulations on your retirement. And you certainly well, thank you so much. This, this is your this has become uh, your day job now.
1: Uh, basically, yeah, I, I am actually um, looking forward to going back to school as a substitute, maybe a couple of days a week, but not until I am uh, permitted to get a vaccine. So. Uh, I've turned my attentions a lot my spare time to the to the giant cause, which I always had, but now I have more time to actually uh, get involved in this and through my teaching um you know we had to do stuff remotely, so um we used to have our meetings in Manhattan, but because I knew now how to navigate this uh Google meets and then Zoom, we've been able to do many a meeting online and we're getting great guests and a lot more people involved
0: and i certainly want to get to the guest soon but but lastly uh, regarding the, the managerial and, and of course tommy lasorda uh regarding uh, bruce bocci you know the san francisco giants hadn't won a championship since 1954 when they were in new york so in san francisco they never won one and then in 2010 of course they they were able to oh my god remind me oh they beat the the
1: tigers um, no they beat the, course, exactly. they beat the rangers they beat the they rangers they beat the rangers in 2010. in 2010 2012 was the tigers and 2014 was the royals ah right okay
0: and,
1: thank you, you. Know, and, and, and up and until Atlanta oh, that mean, must have
0: been really refreshing
1: it was and you know some of their successes in the during the years were actually a lot of the times they were under the helm of uh, of Do- uh, ex Dodgers. You had Roger Craig, um, who was uh, yeah, you great. know terrific manager, and then Dusty Baker, who was a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Craig, of course, was in Brooklyn, and was an original Met. So the ties there go you know go back. But until uh, until Bochy won, uh, you know. God, I waited. I was a fa- I've been a fan since 1969. That was those three things are etched in my mind uh, forever and they're just just amazing. And I mean, I know I represent the New York Giants, but I, you know, was not born when they played here, so this is what I remember and and you know, the organization that we started really has grown with them winning, which is a great thing. Um yeah. and it's, it's just a wonderful experience.
0: And we've talked about it uh, before, but it is fa- uh, fantastic the way that the San Francisco Giants connect with their New York Giant community back east.
1: A- absolutely. I mean, brunches, uh, stuff around the stadiums, you know, retired numbers, uh, the, the pennant and world championship flags um, that, that fly above the uh, Oracle Park um, you know we've mentioned the past I think it would even be a little bit better had Peter McGowan not passed away because he was not only a member of our group but you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: he uh, championed the uh, history of the giant franchise yeah
0: he, he was uh such a fascinating fellow and I was lucky enough to have him on one episode and you know he and and it's it's pretty uh, unbelievable, too, that he had this connection going all the way back to rooting for them at the polo grounds, having grown up in Manhattan.
1: Yeah, what are the odds of that? You root for your team, then, you know, your father takes you to California, and then they show up in your lap coming also, and then uh, you <laughs> right. you make enough money that you're actually able to be the leading uh, buyer of the team. Uh, he was, you know, he... he called me up. We exchanged an email and said he was going to be Affinities, which now is no longer there, unfortunately. But he said, you know, would you like to get a drink? And I was like, the former owner, you know, the main guy of the Giants is asking me to go for a drink. I said, what the heck? I said, I gotta go to this. And I was just, oh, yeah. you know, and I, I, you know, look, I know the guy has everything or had everything, and but I wanted to give him something. I, I remember I bought a uh, Poster off Amazon of the Polo Grounds, and I gave it to him just as a way of saying thank you. Because very nice man, right, especially to us. So
0: yeah, and you know, our hearts go out to everybody who's lost. Uh, who you know, it, it's just such as life, and and it's something that we all have to cope with and deal with, uh, both in terms of others as well as our own mortality. So. Uh, all the best we can do is just take in the good times and, and do whatever makes you joyful, basically. And, uh, and this is uh, – you can tell, Gary, that this, is, this brings you a lot of joy. And unfortunately, uh, I haven't been able to join some of these Zoom meetings. So I wanted uh, uh, you know go ahead and, and uh, let the audience know what you've been doing uh, during this, this entire pandemic to keep the organization afloat and, and, and also organizing itself. Uh, and also, sure. please, uh, give a shameless plug as to where everybody can find it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, we, in the past, we had uh, live meetings three or four times a year at uh, Burkino Baseball Clubhouse with Jay Goldberg, and then he uh, he decided to sell uh, his place, so we had to look for another place, and that turned out to be Finnerty's. Uh, and the guys there, Dieter Sell I mean, Really, really nice people. they welcomed us, and we had our meetings there and Then our last meeting there was February of twenty twenty uh and then you know you know the rest is history, as they say, uh and you know it got to be like June of twenty twenty and it was like, well, we can't have any meetings, and I certainly didn't want the organization to to die because. You know, uh, once in a while I'll get some news on the Giants and I'll post it on our Facebook page and our web page. But I wanted to keep the members, you know, find a way to entertain them. So I found a way, and that was through Zoom meetings, and I've contacted many people, people who have spoke live to the group. But, you know, this is a whole different ballgame we're playing now, uh, pardon the pun. Um the beauty of all of this is that people don't have to leave their house. I don't have to drive to Manhattan. I don't live anywhere near there. You know, I used to go after school in Queens. This is a lot easier for me. I mean, there's nothing like a live show, but this is this is really good. So you have all of these guest speakers who would only be able to speak if they were in New York at the time, and the the uh, members of the group. Could only be members of the uh, members of the group who lived in the area who would go to these meetings. And Now I don't have to worry about any of that. I get speakers from all over, and many of the members are from all over. They're not just in New York. We get California people and Arizona people and, and Florida people. It, it turned out to be the best of both worlds, and I hope it continues. I mean, we've had a lot of great guests. I, I work diligently to procure other guests and right now everything's good i mean we're scheduled up until mid-february and uh i was hoping to do it you know maybe two or three times a month and some months it's been every thursday i mean we had a nine-week period of guests every wednesday or thursday and it was fabulous and uh i know that the members greatly appreciate it it's a lot of fun
0: so who are some of the guests you have had and and who are some of the guests that you uh, are anticipating? Uh
1: we've had close to 20 guests so far. We started off with Noel Hind, who wrote uh, a couple of books on uh, the Giants. He was he was great Jamie Rupert, Horace Stonem's girl, uh girlfriend, granddaughter. Uh Dan Taylor, uh he wrote a, a great book on scouting and uh He's fabulous. Ed Logan Jr., whose father was uh, the uh, clubhouse man of the Giants. Uh, Chris Haft, who worked for the Giants and MLB, uh, wrote a great book on uh, Mike Murphy. Uh, Steve Tretter, he has a brand-new book coming out on uh, Horace Stoneham. Uh, one of the greatest ones we had was John Miller. I mean, Hall of Fame announcer, Hall of Fame guy. I could not believe he came on with us. And not only did he come on, he, he did two hours and was, you know, doing his uh, Vince Scully voiceovers. And, I mean, he he's just hilarious. Um, and John Shea, who works with the Giants, and, uh, worked uh, out in San Francisco reporting on the Giants and wrote a great new book called 24 on uh, Willie Mays. Um just, just, and I don't know. I, I think you know Mark Healy, who wrote a recent book on the greatest players in Gotham history, which at each position, which would include um, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Giants, and the Yankees. And he he threw a series of ballots. He concocted a you know all-time baseball diamond, the nine best. Players at each position, and then starting pitchers and relief pitchers. Manager, owner. Fascinating read. So, and uh, recently we had Bob Kendrick, who uh, was in the new. The, the day that the uh, MLB announced that they would be honoring Negro League stats, he was on. We it would just happen to work out that way, and I was waiting all day for him to you know get in touch with me saying he can't do it because he's being ambushed with interview requests and he kept his interview with us and he was on for about an hour and a, an hour and a half and he was leaving us to go right to another interview so i mean hats off to him that was that was amazing that he 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 did uh stay with us that long and just just we had a like i said we we had about uh 18 to 20 already and we have the one coming up tomorrow, which which we're looking forward to. So, uh, and the one tomorrow actually is something I mentioned before. His name is Tom Rigney. It's Bill Rigney's son. And if anybody's interested, you should look him up. He is a famed uh, fiddler uh, in the San Francisco area. Uh, So he's going to be talking about his dad and how how he spent his days at the polo grounds. And then when they moved out to San Francisco and also about his uh, career as a musician. So that is right up to tomorrow.
0: That's awesome. Uh, um, Yeah. You really, I I hope to uh, make it on uh, very shortly to to, uh, any of these. Um, You do such great work and, and, you know, I, I,
1: I know I'm doing a lot
0: of patting you on the back on this one, but you you uh, deserve it. Uh, all all accolades.
1: Yeah, I also just just for the audience. Uh, I, I don't like to shortchange people. Other speakers we had, and they were all great. Rob Garrett, Bruce Jenkins, Stu Thornley, John Rosengren, George Gregor, Anika O'Rock, and Jeff Wagner. Anika is uh, a, a very not a funny story, but the story is that she worked for John Miller and Anika wrote a book about the uh, Women's Professional Baseball League, uh, you know, from the movie, and uh, it was very interesting, and uh, all these guests have been fabulous in their own way and uh, very much appreciate that uh, they would spend the time. You know, a lot of them have books out, so we try to plug their books, but uh, just, just very kind of them to uh give us their attention for, you know, an hour and a half usually and uh the uh I know our members are very happy cuz they know that every Wednesday or Thursday, 3 or 4 times a month, they will get free entertainment. So perfect.
0: So in, in all of this, you know, there's so much history to uncover. Um with, with with this, is, is there anything in particular that has really stuck out to you over the last few months uh, from the history of the New York Giants?
1: Um, I you know, a couple of things with the Giants. You know, there was there's a very big debate about uh, Horace Stoneham being a Hall of Famer, and and peop, you know, we had people discussing this. You know, his granddaughter, uh, Steve Treader, Rob Garrett. And they're all very, very persuasive in that uh, he does belong. And, um, I mean, I is that new to me? No. Do I think he belongs? Based on your guy being in, Walter O'Malley, I, I would say yes. Um, when My I say guess. your guy, well, I let's, mean – Let's
2: not I go mean – <laughs> When I say
1: your guy, I mean a Brooklyn Dodger guy, not that you think he's... Yes, of course. I mean, I'm sure you can't stand him for taking the team away, but, you know, and and I'm sure... It's a nuanced conversation, for sure. Exactly, and I'm sure a lot of the Giant fans are like, how could this guy be a Hall of Famer? You know, he was a drunk, and he took the team away. But if you look today at all the diversity in the game, he had a lot to do with it. So those people uh, really when they spoke, um, that was one of their big arguments. And I, I happen to agree with them on that.
0: No, I think you make a solid point. And it, I forget exactly where it was. Um, and it, it may have been Pittsburgh, so I may be uh, getting my, my teams incorrect. But at some point, there was a starting nine of all black players. I believe it was Pittsburgh, and you can help me on this one. Uh, but the Giants uh, were, along with the Dodgers, were way ahead of the, the curve when it came to, to diversifying.
1: Well, the Giants especially um, were involved in the Asian field or involved in, you know, heavily involved in the Latino uh, field as well. So, um, And, you know, looking today, you know, did they hired the first female coach. I, mean, I don't know if that's any residue from the past but um from the Stoneham point you know he brought baseball out west um and he again with, with the uh, African Americans, Latinos, uh Asian uh he brought baseball to Arizona the you know the uh spring spring training so I I think without doubt without a doubt the good uh, outfit is the bad, and if you're going to say, well, what was so special about O'Malley? I mean, he was not really the most instrumental in getting Jackie Robinson. That was Branch tricky, and I guess he's most famous for building a palace out in Los Angeles that's still, you know, considered one of the prettiest uh, and uh, beautiful stadiums that still exists today in Dodger Stadium.
0: It is wonderful, and sometimes, like you forget that it doesn't have a facade.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. You know,
0: both it obviously, with Candlestick, obviously, Candlestick was infamous for years. Uh, but you could say, if you want to frame it this way, that the Giants finally caught up to the Dodgers
1: in terms of a ballpark. Yeah, you know, I, I that was my time, Candlestick Park. I was never there, but I mean, I would watch Met Giant games and. The AstroTurf was like three different colors, orange, and the wind, and the wrappers blowing around, and you're watching a game, and you're like, it's July, and you're seeing people in the stands, like parkers with masks, and it's like, how can you play baseball? And then they moved six miles away finally in 2000, and probably to the nicest ballpark there is. Uh, That and, uh, you know, people say that in, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Stadium. PNC Park, I think it's called. You never know these days; they change the names like people change underwear. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, they really are in a gem of a park, and you know, it's. I have been there, and it, it is really gorgeous. It's a not. I, you know, I mean, you know, just the setting is and, beautiful.
0: And it's not just names, though. I mean, like look at the trend with the Rangers and the Braves. I mean, they're not just changing the names; they're changing ballparks, like like it's uh, fashionable. Uh, it
1: is. It, it, I, I don't know how these things, unless they're privately bored, are financed because the Braves Stadium in Texas, they, they, what, they play 20 years in each one at the most? I mean, we, I don't even think yeah. the Braves play that long there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. They just have enough money and to, to build these stadiums that are not even like – I mean, look at City Field. You had to wait forever for Shea Stadium to finally, yeah. you know, cave in, so to speak.
0: And you talk to plenty of Mets fans, though, uh, when they see these stadiums falling after 20 years, it actually gives them hope because Citi Field, you know, as beautiful as it can be, um, I, I don't think it was just the the fact that the Mets were not playing well. We had, you know, a lot of things to pick apart because of of the the lack of foresight, as well as 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 many fans. You know, we're here talking about the, the past, and we're talking about the Dodgers and the Giants, uh, but a lot of people, and I would have to agree, even if I, I lean that way, uh, that it was a little too Dodgers-centric. And with right. with Jackie Robinson, you know, they, they talk about how, you know, he never played for the Mets. I think Jackie Robinson is an exception because of what Jackie Robinson means to baseball. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing... The, the, any anytime anybody said anything about you know what about honoring the Giants, who in many ways, from a uniform uh, perspective especially, have uh, a, a bigger imprint on the Mets than the Dodgers do, uh, and, and they would point to the seats being green as a, uh, an honor to the Polo Grounds, which was a com- which was them completely covering their ass because that's all the Wilpons ever did. Um, so I mean, there's certain structural elements that steve cohen could never uh deal with and i'm sure he's not going to want to spend the money but you do wonder like how he's going to approach that since he's already done such a fantastic job in the short amount of time he is uh you know honoring the history of the team as well as honoring the fans
1: absolutely correct i mean i know i think last year um I, I think it was scheduled for last year they were going to uh retire Jerry Kuzman's number. Um yeah. I, I assume that's going to be this year now. Um you know, a formal thing uh which I think is long overdue. I always I thought he was a fantastic pitcher. Um and uh I mean behind Seaver, I uh, during that time I don't think you get a better one too than than those two guys. I thought it, I, I actually think he's probably the most underrated Met that ever played, in my opinion. I, I just I thought he was great. It really did. He pits, he pitched some. I think he was like three and fifteen one year. His ERA was under you know three five or or at least under four. Now if your ERA yeah. is like four or five, you're considered good, which I don't get so.
0: And another thing, too, about that, I think Kuzman's long overdue, as many people. In fact, I have a feeling that the person on the line right now will also agree with that. But I think for the Wilpons uh, and maybe just the Mets in general, they were always trying to be so anti-Yankees, and that spilled out into the retirement numbers. And I think there's a lot of players that there can be arguments made, including – it doesn't matter that he only played for five years uh, and nobody's worn the, the uniform in a long time. That's Gary Carter, and I think you could right. kind of put that hand-in-hand hand with Yogi, uh, regardless of George Stone. Let's not get into that right now. But, but I think considering what Yogi meant to the early part of the franchise, uh, as well as the fact that he was a coach in 1969, you could kind of do – I mean, Yogi and Bill Dickey are retired out in Yankee Stadium, so that would be a, li- a little interesting nod to both players as well as, as a tip of the cap to the, uh, the crosstown rivals, but we do have a five, one, six area code on the line. You're here with the Bedford and Sullivan podcast.
2: Hey, Sam, how you doing? This is Jeff Cohen from baseball and BBQ. Oh, no. thank hey, you for putting on. what's Twitter. going on? I want to thank you for putting this on Twitter because I was able to listen while I'm, while I'm working. So it's great. And, uh, I've been part of the Gary Minces, uh, Weekly Thursday meetings, and they've been fantastic. I just wanted to call you, in and, and like, good to hear okay. from you, hey, Gary, i Gary. Looking forward to tomorrow night as well. Um, I came into this a little late, so I, I'm sorry, um, but yeah, I, I was listening to Gary run down all his his uh, guests that he had on his on his Zoom meetings, and they they've all been fantastic. And uh, he does, a, and I just want to say, Gary does a great job uh, at what he does, and it's really really enjoyable. So I just wanted to call and let you know that. And yes, I do agree that, that Jerry Kuhn is probably one of under, that, that the most underrated that they might have had.
1: Very well, kind words, you, Jeff. Jeff. And, and um, you know how I feel about you your your stuff. You and uh Len do a wonderful job with your baseball and barbecue and I wish you guys all the success and thanks for your kind words. Thanks. And, and, you and Jeff, I
0: this? want to give you an opportunity. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I wanted to give you an opportunity since you've you've been on our uh, a Metzian podcast so much, but uh, this is the first time that you're calling into uh, the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. So I, I just want to let the audience uh, completely know who you are, completely know what you do. The shameless plug, as we like to say. Please go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, and I didn't call in for that reason, but thank you for letting me do it. Uh, well, myself and Leonard Aberman, we have a podcast called Baseball and BBQ. We talk a lot about baseball, a lot about barbecue, and sometimes they uh, they mix. Like recently we had on Howard Johnson, and he's a big barbecuer. So we had him talking about baseball and, and his big green egg that he likes to barbecue on. Uh, we've had some great guests. Uh, some of them have overlapped with Gary. I mean, we had Anika Oreck on. We will have Stu Only on. We did record with him. With, that will be released uh, in the future. Uh, but we've had some really great guests, and we talk a lot about if you like baseball or barbecue, this is a great place to come. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to come in, ch- check us out, baseball and BBQ. Thanks. thanks. Uh, thank you, Sam. Excellent. Of course. Uh, and, did,
0: um, she, 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 yeah, go ahead, please.
2: I'm sorry. I did want to say one thing about uh, the the Jackie Robinson weekend we were just talking about and how it's an homage to the Dodgers. And I was thinking about this. Because the Mets did come take their – colors from the Dodgers and, and the Giants, what what the Whippon should have done, of course they would ne- <laughs> never have done it, was to like, make that like a three-sided homage. We have one side Dodgers, one side uh, the, the Giants, and then in the middle, they come together and uh, create the mess. But that's thinking outside the box, which they would <laughs> never do.
0: It's, it's a great point. I mean, there's that's, so many different absolutely. ways you could have brainstormed it.
1: You know, maybe maybe some of those restaurants inside there, Jeff, could be like the Polo Grounds Ground Cafe or something, and that would at least, yeah, uh, you know, point out something that there was a team other than the Dodgers. And, and the thing about the Mets in the middle, that's that, that's fabulous. And and, and also
0: considering think? that Willie Mays played for the Mets, so he is is the obvious choice on the Giants side of things.
1: Yes. and I, Sam, I know you've had Greg Prince on many times. You got to convince Greg to write a book on Willie Mays as a Met. Nobody's done that. He'd be great at it. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So and please, I, I did put
0: it was. A, it's probably a little uh, uh, late right now, but I did put a feeler out to see if he could call in. Uh, I think again, like it, I always think about this stuff a, a little too late. Um, but, yeah, big shout-out to Greg Prince of Faith and Fear in Flushing, who's also a member of the New York Giants Preservation Society. Uh, yeah, it, and it, I know, job.
1: you're a bit younger than Jeff and I. That being the case, <laughs> you know, when Greg does write his Willie Mays book, which you need to push him to do, uh, Jeff and I <laughs> could be interviewed, because I know both of us. both of us, even though Jeff – didn't come and say hello to me back then, We're both at that first game when Mays uh, beat the Giants with a home run his first game as a Met.
2: That's absolutely true. I remember I was 10 years old. I remember Willie Mays in the home run against the Giants. I was like, wow, was there my dad and my grandfather was such a, a great memory.
1: Rainy day. They thought the game would be canceled, and they still played. But uh, that really is something, you know, all that the, the new Mays biography. There is no book on Mays as a Met and you could write about, you know, Joan Payson wanting him back, and his two-year, I know he had a, a, arguments with Yogi Berra, but that game, that 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 whole two-year stint when he played with the, the Mets, he, he could turn that thing, and his love of New York, Maze's his love of New York, could be a book, and Greg would be a great author on that. Absolutely.
2: Well, thanks, That is thanks correct. On each, and I, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll, I'll keep on listening. Thank you.
1: Take care, Jeff. You, Jeff. Hopefully
0: we'll see you tomorrow really night. Okay. So um, I, I, to continue that conversation about Willie Mays, you know, it, I, I I think that, you know, the, one of the first images that, that do pop into the head about Willie Mays is him on the streets playing stickball with the kids over in Coogan's bluff in Washington Heights. Um, and, and, you know that that would be the natural place to start with the uh, basically the pro the prologue, as it leads up to to him getting traded.
1: Absolutely, really, I, you know, I was actually think I actually broached Greg on this. Uh, you know, I think uh, a few months ago. But Sam, you're much more forceful than me. You got to do this. Make it happen. He can make money. Oh, There's <laughs> such a there is such an audience for this. There really is. And I, yeah, I, would think all of your Brooklyn, it's, Dodger, it's, all of your Brooklyn Dodger audience, uh, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that they, as a player, I don't care as a man or whatever it is they might think, would have to say he was just an incredible player. And I don't think, you know, in my time, I don't look at Clayton Kershaw as oh uh, he's a bum. I look at him as what a what a fabulous pitcher. Right. And I think that your Brooklyn fans would say about Willie Mays, no matter what, might hate the Giants. It's very hard to hate him as a player.
0: Oh, yeah. And as we've also discussed, and we've, we've said numerous times, but it cannot be uh, emphasized uh, too much, that Willie Mays may be like the direct reason why there there seems to be – and. and you know, in contrast, Walter O'Malley might be the direct reason why for the Dodger fan that they said, bah humbug, to hell with you. Uh, Willie Mays may be the number one reason why so many fans seem, seem to stick around with the uh, San Francisco Giants after they left.
1: Hey, listen, I'm a fan because of Willie Mays and not directly. My dad loved the New York Giants and he followed them you know when they moved to San Francisco and I know he followed them because of Willie Mays so indirectly that is why right. I am a San Francisco Giant fan uh for what, 69 we're in t- so you know uh it's uh, 52 years you are I've been rooting for the Giants remarkable. from my dad
0: and it is also I'm I'm sure we've mentioned this before but it is also ironic that you became a San Francisco Giants fan, while the Mets were going to the moon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I mentioned to you my first game was in 69. The Marichal was pitching against Gary Gentry in his 14-inning game. And Marichal was still on the mound in the bottom of the 14th, and Tommy A. G hit a home run. And the Mets won one nothing. I remember that summer just – Having Channel Nine on, that's when I really got into baseball, and the Mets. It seemed like never lost in August and September. Right. Every time you turned the TV on, they were winning. It was it was really a, an unbelievable. I mean, if I was a Mets fan, at the time, I'd be going crazy.
0: So you became a Giants fan because of your dad uh, during that that summer. Uh, well, let's say let's go to the fall there. Um, where you. Like, like, was there kind of animosity towards the Mets or, or were you it, it, like, what, what is your feeling overall, uh, both in that summer? Like, like, has there ever been, I guess, even though there's been little rivalries here and there, it's never been like a pure pure on hatred, uh, like some rivalries Absol- can have.
1: Absolutely not. And I'd be very honest with you. If there were no San Francisco giants, I would probably be a Met fan. Um, You know, I grew up watching National League Baseball. Um, You know, every summer I'd be upstate waiting for the New York Post to come with the scores, watching the All-Star Game, National League winning like every year. I mean, just, you know, if there were no Giants, I I would have to say I'd be a Met fan. Do I root for them now? No. I mean, I am steadfast, true blue Giants all the way. I mean, but if... uh, if, if you're saying, hey, Gary, Mets playing the Yankees, who you're rooting for, there is no question I am rooting for the Mets. And I don't, I don't, uh, never hated the Mets. The Yankees, on the other hand, you know, I right. lived through all of the, the, the Steinbrenner years and, and this and, you know, uh, buying players at will. And, you know, I never really appreciated that. And the Yankee fans seemingly thinking that today. They have the right to win the World Series every year, and that's not how it is.
0: You know, I I know it's a phrase, uh, true blue, but I find it ironic. A true blue Giants fan, it, it sounds funny to, together, right? <laughs> <laughs> true
1: orange, black and orange. True,
0: true orange, exactly. And what's so funny, uh, to flip it on the other side, and I believe it was Duke Snyder that said this, that he always hated Halloween because it reminded him of the Giants.
1: Yeah. You know, uh we our last author was on, Jeff Wagner, and uh he wrote a, a very interesting book, you know, basically and he's done this for other teams, including the Yankees. I think he I, I encouraged him to do one with the Mets. Done one on the uh Red Sox and the Cardinals. Uh the title escapes me now. It's basically Oh yeah, it's uh, did you know that they played for the Giants? That's his premise of the book, and he lists in the book, and he goes over in detail uh, all the players that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot he played on the Giants type of a thing, you know, um, like Steve Carlton, you know, if you remember. That's where he ended his know, basically ended it. He got his, you know, uh, and he got, uh, I think, his 4,000. I don't even remember what strikeout. And Randy Johnson won his 300th game with the Giants. And on the cover is Jim Thorpe. You know, and, and in it also is, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, Duke Snyder, when he, he mm-hmm. after the Mets, he went to the Giants. So you had, uh, as much as he hated wearing the orange, you know, he he, he actually did for a little. And Warren Spahn is a very interesting book, and I don't know if he did one of on the Dodgers, but, um, you know, it's, it's a nice character uh, thing to read about these players who basically, uh Finished on a franchise, um, uh, you know. Finished with that franchise, or played with them just a very short time, and some people forgot that they actually were on that franchise. So,
0: so uh, yeah, I was about to mention that too. Nineteen sixty-four, he was. It was uh, age thirty-seven year, and of course, you know, he played for the Dodgers from forty-seven to sixty-two. Was an All-Star. Uh, for the the Mets, uh, and I think that was probably,
2: in many ways,
0: based off of his average. Uh, kind of, kind of just a a. Um, I think at the time you had to have one player from uh, uh, each team, uh, um, and you know Duke Snyder was on his way out, so I think they gave him the nod. Of course, especially those right. 1963 New York Mets. I'm sure he was one of the
1: best. But are you in, on? Uh, uh, are you on baseball? Are you on baseball reference right now? I am. What what was his number on the Giants?
2: Great question. Hold on, let's see.
1: And there's a reason why um, I bring that up because you know, twenty-eight. He was num Yeah, well, he couldn't wear number four on the Giants, which he, you know, was
2: of <laughs> course
1: noted for with the Dodgers because of uh, uh, what you, uh, was it Mel Ott, I believe, was number four. Am I nice. right on that? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great stuff. And, and what's interesting, and I, is I, I'd like
0: to. I'm sure somebody out there would know, but for the Mets, he wore both 11 and number four. Uh, so I, I'm going to have to investigate, and I'm sure, you know, if if uh, we had Greg here, he could answer it in a minute as to Absolutely, why but he went. There he was had no to way that giant... uh, 11 person.
1: Yeah, because of art there was no way they were going to issue that number. But, you know, Snyder was renowned for number four in the uh, blue and white.
0: Yep. And 91 games for the 1964 San Francisco Giants, um, who um, I think I might have just gotten too confused for a second. But ha- where, where were they in 1964 in terms of uh, positioning? Uh
1: they Team-wise? You know yeah. what? off the top of my head, I don't know. all I know is in the sixties, you know once I became a fan in sixty nine I mean I went back a little in time to the Giants always came in like second place. Ma- uh, um, manager
0: Al Dark uh, brought them to a fourth place finish with a ninety and seventy two record. So uh considering nineteen sixty four was when the Philadelphia Phillies collapsed and the San- and the uh, Cardinals won the Pennant and the World Series over the Yankees. Um, that obviously must have been quite the, the National, League we- uh, well, National League at the time. There was no West yet. Um, right. So uh, with, with Duke Snyder, he hit 210 in 91 games, 189 plate appearances, 167 at-bats. He was able to collect four home runs, 17 RBIs, and uh, unfortunately struck out 40 times. But he was age 37 and retired after the season. Yep. Um, it, it, it's it's weird to see finished fourth, didn't make the playoffs, 90 wins
1: With 90 wins,
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I think if you keep going, most of the time They were, you know, the Giants had tremendous teams in the 60s And again, that was a lot to do with the Latino players that they acquired And, and the African-American, you had Mays and McCovey and Cepeda and, and Jim Ray Hart, they just had yeah, a tremendous right. hitting team. They never had enough pe- pitching, but they were always, you know, second or third or fourth, whatever it was, but with really, you know, decent records. And, you know, there was not, like you said, there was no East and West division as we knew it for, you know, all in the 70s. There was one division. So you either won or, you know, you, you didn't.
0: Now, did Al Dark get fired after the 64 season?
1: That, again, After, if you ask me anything at 69 on, I am, you know, rock solid. <laughs> uh, I I couldn't tell you, but I know he had a uh, very, uh, very, not a funny story, you know, he had a run-in with the, a lot of the Latino players. They didn't want to play for him. Okay. This is all from the John Shea book. And um, Willie Mays told them, you know, it's just kind of how he is and blah, blah, blah. And you know, every, uh, many people in the baseball world viewed Dark as a you know southern bigot who was a racist. And John Shea mentioned to us that before he died, he knew he was dying. He 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 asked all those players uh, and issued them an apology before he well, died. So yes.
0: So yeah, it it's you know looking at all these records. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, 90 wins after 90 wins. So I'm going to start real quick. In 1962, 103-62, of course, finished first, lost the World Series in seven games. Uh, 1963-88-74, finished third. 1964-90-72, finished fourth. 95-67, finishing second with Herman Franks at the helm in 1965. 93-68, finished second, 1966, Herman Franks. 91-71, finished second, 1967. 88-74, finished second, Herman Franks, 1968. But then Clyde King came in in 1969, 90-72, finishing second. And what's interesting about this next season, Gary, uh, um, is that Clyde King started out 19-23 and, and of course, got fired. And they ended up finishing 86-76 with Charlie Fox at the helm, who went 67-53.
1: Right, and then they won the following year, the Western Division, 1971.
0: That's right. And Charlie Fox was the manager. And they lost the Pittsburgh Pirates three games. And one, of the,
1: one of the greatest players on that team, uh, non-steroid, by the way, was uh, Bobby Bonds, who him and Chris Spire, uh, those are my favorite Giants, uh, you know, McCove- and McCovey. Mays was nearing the end, but he's still, you know, First time I remember watching Mays play, you know, he played some first base with the Giants when McCovey got hurt. But uh, that's when my real fandom, you know, was etched, right? It's 69, 70, 71. That's that's when it all started for me, and it's been a long road since.
0: You know, it's really funny, and and this just, of course, um, well, now I'm noticing, too, and, uh, you know, this is, these these names of baseball players uh, carry over. Sometimes you'll see, and of course, like like in the Dodgers instance, there's a Randy Jackson. And anybody of, of modern ilk who knows nothing about baseball, here's Randy Jackson, and they think of American uh, American Idol. But
1: I think I know I'm where you're going right with this. The, the Giant the Giants had an outfielder who played in that Met Giant game when Mays played, named Bernie Williams.
0: Yes. Exactly. And on top of him, age twenty one, George Foster. And I'm guessing that that's, is the George Foster though. Yes it
2: is. That is
1: D. George Foster. That's, yes. Then not yeah, the D. 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 Bernie D. Williams, D. however. No, not the Bernie Williams. I just always remember that because in that giant game, the Giants the the Mets got off to a four nothing lead. stopped hit a grand slam of of Sam McDowell in the bottom of the first. McDowell walked the first three guys. And then the Giants eventually tied it, uh, and Bernie Williams, I believe, had a base bases clearing triple, and that that's all I remember about Bernie Williams, and that name always stuck with me because of the Yankee center fielder, you know, Bernie Williams. Right. Um, so, but uh, I mean,
0: you know, some of some of these players they put into the Hall of Fame, um, you know, nothing against them, but then when you see Bernie Williams's numbers, as well as having watched him play. Uh, he had one of the greatest swings I've ever seen. He was an unbelievable center fielder. Uh, I think he finished at somewhere like 25 or 2,700 uh, hits. I mean, the fact that he got, that, that he got voted out, you know, the, I, I feel as if – I'm not necessarily – I understand this is an argument, and he's probably borderline, uh, but at some point I hope the Veterans Committee at least, like, takes a look once more at Bernie Williams.
1: Yan- you know party. what it is? It, it's really become the very. I don't think it's the elite players anymore. It's the very, very good players. I mean, listen, when when in the eighties, God, Don Mattingly hit a double every time he was up. I mean, for ten years, he was he was incredible. <laughs> him and him and Will Clark. I mean, Clark, I think he would Fernandez. have been a, Hall, been a Hall, Hall of Fame. Absolutely. So I mean, it's it, – I think the bar really has been lowered, and um, and if you're going to lower it, then you might as well let – I mean, look who, who you're preaching to, a Brooklyn uh, fan base who enamored with Gil Hodges. Well, then why isn't he in? Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully that's rectified uh, next year. They had to postpone the vote. Um, right. But real quick on Keith Hernandez, which is obviously a big tangent, and we'll loop back around before we finish – um, the the thing that I hope that they that Hall of Fame generally does because this you know thinking about Keith Hernandez isn't lowering the bar it's actually acknowledging that defense matters uh, absolutely because and and when when you think about it, he was a perennial 300 hitter I think he has like a 3 team career average on top of the 11 Gold Gloves that he had in a row so like we got to really consider this it's it's crazy to me i understand that the defensive stat could never be designed the way that the offensive stat could be so black and white and clear cut but something's got to give because you've got to play defense you've got to prevent runs to to manage to win even if you still have to win one nothing if you will if you will excuse
1: me right totally agree um, um you know I you know with 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 Steve Cohen you know maybe a little push for him getting into the Hall of Fame is the Mets retiring his number as well. Right?
0: And and that's uh, looping back around to the retired numbers that that is what I think uh you know I do believe that number 17 should be retired as well but I I believe him as well as Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry. Um, there, there's probably some other players from earlier in the era that other than just Kuzman and Seaver that, uh, should, should be retired as well. Um, and you know, it's just, let's enough of this, like, no, we're not, we're, we're only going to save it for the, the great, we're only going to save it for the ones that get into the hall of fame. But like, they didn't, you know, for one thing, David Wright's number should have been retired immediately. Uh, and he would have been a Hall of Famer had he not gotten injured, I I believe, trajectory-wise. But, you know, it's the same thing. Like, Mike Piazza should have been retired immediately, and they waited for him to get into the Hall of Fame to do it. And and it's just like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg thing here?
1: Well, the Giants steadfastly would not retire anybody who's not in the Hall of Fame. That was their rule. And then they broke it uh, with Barry Bonds. And then they were, last year, Willie, uh, Willie, Will Clark's number was going to be retired, you know, at a ceremony, and now they're going to retire it this year at a ceremony. And he—he he was not in the Hall of Fame, but a funny thing in that Gotham's in Mark Healy's book, Gotham's greatest, you know, position by position, your guy was the third baseman. You just mentioned him, David Wright, and I was saying to myself there wasn't any Brooklyn Dodger or or, or New York Giant um, who was more deserving, and one of the giant. Guys, got, you know, said Fred Lindstrom should have been in. and uh, But David Wright was the winner of that, the greatest third baseman in Gotham history. And again, Gotham being Brooklyn, New York, uh, the Yankees, the Giants, the Mets, and the Dodgers.
0: And, I mean, when you're making a list like that, there's bound to be a lot of dissension uh, for sure. Uh, but I think, like, off the top of my head – it makes sense because Greg Nettles didn't have the longevity. Scott Rocha certainly didn't have the longevity. And I can, you know, uh, Billy Cox, I believe, was the third baseman for those those Dodgers teams.
1: Um, yeah, I spoke to a Dodger fan. Even, he said he's not
0: spoken about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I spoke to a Dodger fan when I read the list, and he said exactly what you said. Billy Cox. Um, and and you'd be and, and another great debate was the catcher. Um, Right. You know, I, have course. you seen the book at all? Are I am familiar been able with the, to read book? the
0: book yet. Yeah, well, we were able it to talk not to Mark Yogi Keely it on, is on not
1: the podcast. Yeah, it is not Yogi Berra. It right. and it's not Gary Carter. it is Mike Piazza. Right. Yep. So it's and a, it's, a, and it's it's hard a great argue with bo- it. Bo- yeah, it's a great book for debate, which is which is
0: exactly. gets people
1: to read and gets them interested.
0: Mhm. Exactly. Well, we, we have to wrap up Gary, but before we do, I, I just, um, uh, first, before we get to the final word, I'm wondering if there's anything else from giant history that you wanted to touch upon, uh, that, that you've, uh, that, that's been in your
1: peripheral over the past few months. Uh, history wise, you know, um, I, I, I spoke at the hall of fame two summers ago. Um, and one, one of my things that I really like to do, and it's been hard, is uh, the Giants have a wall of fame out at Oracle Park, and uh, they have uh, these plaques, and there's strict rules. You had to be a Giant for nine years, or maybe been in an All-Star game twice, and there's some guys out on that wall who just boggle the mind, Johnny LeMaster, Marvin Bernard, I mean fringe players to say the least um and my one of my goals in leading this organization is that that wall is opened up and it becomes a franchise wall and that fans in san francisco who are now proud of the whole franchise past uh can read plaques of some of these giants who played in new york and i'm not talking about fringe players i'm talking about Hall of Famers who spent their careers with the Giants, and instead of just seeing Mel Ott's number four out there, retired plaque there saying what he did, what Carl Hubbell did, yeah, and Bill you Bill Terry, and, and you know, and somebody like Bobby Thompson, he he, you know, greatest moment in probably New York Giant history, but you know, he, he's not, I'm not asking for everybody to be a plaque, so he you know, maybe a plaque to the moment, but not the plaque at Bobby Thompson was, you know, an all-time Giant, great. Just, you know, the top, you, know you could probably have about 20 people minimum who, who played on the Giants, you know, or, or managed them, like, you know, John McGraw. And I, I think, again, instead of a San Francisco Giant Wall of Fame, it should be a Giants franchise. So that would be something that I will continue to try to work on.
0: Great, and I, I hope you. Uh, I hope it comes to fruition for the uh, for all Giants fans out there, and, and the New York Giants Preservation Society. And and uh, one more thing, going back to the retired numbers, uh, the Dodgers have have had a similar policy, and I think it would be a great symbolic gesture to retire number 14 before the upcoming vote. I don't know how we can try to manage this because somebody. When I mentioned this, somebody told me that you know Dodgers only retire Hall of Famers, and it's like, well, well, maybe if they were to change that, then somebody, you know, up above, if you will, would uh, would shine the light down onto Gil Hodges being in the Hall of Fame.
1: I I totally agree with you. I think that would be the first, you know, build momentum until the until the. Right. Uh, golden era, I believe, uh, who will meet in December. um, If they see that his numbers are retired by the Brooklyn Dodgers, um, maybe that would spur more interest in him getting, you know, his rightful place in Cooperstown.
0: And some of these, you know, just like hoity-toity, you know, stiff upper lip, if you will, uh, type of policies, it's just like, let's get over ourselves. And 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 think about the legacies here, and what Gil Hodges. I mean, like I was just out at his his uh, plot out at Holy Cross Cemetery, and there's still, and it also speaks. I always mention this that it speaks to the diversity of of Brooklyn that in this Catholic cemetery there are rocks on top of his his uh, plot, which is a very Jewish thing. Um, there's right. you know there's there's a Mets hat, there's a Dodgers hat out there. I mean, you see what this man meant to the community, both in terms of Brooklyn as well as the Mets community uh, I, I I just think it, it's long past due, and, and something's got to give
1: yeah, you know i I think somehow, who's ever uh, voting on this, uh, maybe they really need to take into account not only his uh, his career as a player but his career managing you know the senators and the mets um i don't know many people remember he was the senator's manager as well but to bring a championship to the uh to the mets was was an unbelievable feat and you know the players who were still around talk talk about him as a manager as 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 godlike and that's a tribute to him
0: right exactly um so, Gary, I appreciate the time that you've given us today uh, and, and also pleasure. for, you know, hel- helping the, uh, the Gil Hodges cause, uh, uh, you know, from the Giants side of things, too. Um, so without further ado, give us your final word, but also let us know, let the audience know where they can find you, where they can find the New York Giants Preservation Society and, and how they can get hooked up on these Zoom meetings.
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, to all the Dodger fans out there, if you are still rooting for the Los Angeles Dodgers, congratulations on your long overdue World Championship. That being said, also condolences about uh, Tommy Lasorda. I, I know he's uh, mostly remembered as a Los Angeles Dodger, but he, he, you know, was in the Dodger farm system and, you know, had the proverbial cup of coffee with the team. So if any of you still root for the Dodgers or was a Tommy Lasorda fan, again, uh, my condolences. Um, anybody who wants to be a part of any of these Zooms that are upcoming, could, uh, you know, Sam, I don't really publicize it on the Facebook page because um, I, I just want to make sure that the right people are signing on, not to sabotage anything, if that makes any sense to you. Um yeah. but they could uh they could email me uh at Giantsguru um dot com dot com um and just in the subject area if you wanna put down uh you know, Zoom meetings or whatever, or they can contact you and get the information from you because you know you get uh, updates every week with who's gonna be speaking, so um, and I have nothing about against Facebook. Love it. It's a great uh, platform for our organization, but I tend not to put uh, those meetings on it because also we're only allowed 100 guests maximum, and uh, we have uh, I think like right. 2,300 people who like the page, and you know we usually get about anywhere from 25 to 45 people. It's 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 a nice little you know get together so. Well, excellent.
0: And, and hopefully one of these times that my work will not overlap with the, uh, the, the time that you guys are organizing. And, uh, we gr- always greatly appreciate these giant updates. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, both your, your memories of Tommy Lasorda, as well as, uh, the plethora of information on the New York giants.
1: I wish you guys well. And, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, 2021 brings, uh, all of your followers, great health, um, maybe great wealth with the $700 million, uh, coming up. And also um, <laughs> maybe Gil Hodges getting his long overdue uh, membership into the Hall of Fame.
0: Hopefully your mouth to God's ears. And thank you all so much, as always, for listening. You stay safe and healthy out there. Take care. Have a great one. Catch you next time. Bye-bye now.